A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Are Jameis Winston's and Dirk Cutter's futures linked together forever? And how might the Bucks' roster shake out before the regular season? As far as the Rays go, could Blake Snell seriously be considered for a Shy Young Award this year? And could Kevin Cash be headed to another team soon? It's mailbag time here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. We'll answer all those questions and more. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with Steve Verstick, our producer. Before we get started on this podcast, I got a fantastic offer and exciting news from Continental Wholesale Diamonds. It's going to make your jewelry selection experience unforgettable. And this offer is only for our listeners on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Continental Wholesale Diamonds is going to send you and that special person to the Caribbean. That's right, for a five-day, four-night Caribbean cruise on us with any minimum purchase of just $2,000. That's right, so you can choose the cruise line as well as the destination to the Caribbean that you wish to explore. And look, with Andy offering you wholesale pricing and the quality you deserve with the jewelry selection, receiving the very best when purchasing from Continental Wholesale Diamonds. So call Andy today at 813-282-7375. And remember to let Andy know that you heard it from Rick and Steve at Sports Day Tampa Bay. It's Continental Wholesale Diamonds. It's where I shop. And they're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. All right, Steve, Bucks uh, training camp has wrapped up, the official part of it anyway. They still have one more game to play. So we got lots of questions, I'm sure, on the Bucks, the Rays with their fabulous pitching and Blake Snell. Leading that, I guess. What is he, 15 and 5 now, Steve? Something he like is. that? Yeah, 15 and 5 Jeez. with a 2.07 ERA. That's incredible. He's just been, he's been phenomenal. So, obviously, the, the uh, Cy Young question is one that, uh, that is worthy at this point. So, let's get started. I'm ready for the questions. All right. Well, Les has the first question, and he says Are the futures of Jameis Winston and Dirk Cutter commingled to the point that either both of them are back next year or neither of them are back next year? Or is there a way Cutter is back next year without Jameis? Wow. I guess the answer is that there can always be any of those scenarios. But I, I, not knowing how the season is going to go, I would say this, that it's rare that you have a number one overall pick who's a franchise quarterback, and if somehow he falls down, you keep your job. Um, very few coaches have a chance to, you know, to overcome that. In fact, if you look at even Marcus Mariota is onto his third head coach already. So even with the success limited as it is that Mariota has had, um, you know, the head coach has been dismissed twice already and is on his third guy. So um, I don't know that Dirk Cutter can survive Jameis Winston falling down completely because that would mean that they had had a terrible season. Um, certainly, you know, Cutter's, Cutter's fingerprints would be on that in some respect. I could potentially see Jameis playing well enough for the ownership if they decide to make a change with both Dirk and maybe Jason Light saying, let's bring in a head coach or head coach GM, whatever, that will try to save Jameis. We'll give him one more year since he's under contract, even at $21 million, a fifth year option and, you know, make one more attempt. And, and that's look, like I said, this would be the third coach coaching staff for Jameis. Mariota's already had three, so it's not unfathomable that this happens, but I, I do think they're le- linked in as much as if they're both going to stay, 
then I think they have to have a good season, and, and that would begin with Winston, and then Cutter would be the benefactor of that. All right, well, Isaiah wrote in and asked about our podcast the other night when we said how much better Winston played in Game 2 compared to last season. And he asked mm-hmm. us if we watched Winston play post-injury last year. The way he's playing now is how he was playing at the end of last year, even though they were still losing. Yeah, I would say that there's some similarities, but I think he's better. And, and, and when I say better, I mean there's several tells – Right. One is his arm is much stronger, even though he came back from that injury and and he certainly played better than he did when he was playing through the injury. um, His arm still wasn't what it is today. Uh, I've seen him make throws where if you watch the velocity of the ball in the in sort of the 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 downward tilt of the point of the football, uh, he's got some mustard on it. His shoulder looks very, very strong to me. And the other thing I think he's better with is. His feet, you know, Jameis, when he came into the league, was sort of slow-footed, heavy-footed, if you will, got spread out with his base a lot of times. We saw the other night, and he's drilled this very much as far as working on his footwork, doing all kinds of, uh, of drills to, to, you know, have a, have a good base about him. And you saw some throws he made. One got called back, was a touchdown to Godwin the other night. Of course, uh, he made the big throw to Watson. Um, but but his ability to set and reset his feet and throw and be accurate, I think he's he's improved. So I do think he's better. Although he was he was you know really good at the end of last year in some games, I think he's better this year than he was last year. Ellis wrote in and asked, "Would it be out of the realm of possibilities to see Coach Todd Munkin calling plays during the regular season?" No, it's not out of that realm. In fact, it's very much in that realm. I think in some respects. Now, I as we sit here today. I really don't believe that Dirk Cutter is willing to give it up um, for now because, first of all, what we're seeing in preseason is a collaborative effort anyway. I mean, when these game plans are made, Dirk Cutter's all over it, even today, even with uh, you know Todd Munkin doing the scripts for practice and, and having the play sheet for the game. So, you know, they involve a lot of their staff, um, you know, all kinds of, of assistant coaches, offensive line coaches, and, and, and different people. So... Um, there are some similarities to the game plan. But the reason why Todd Munkin is, is calling plays right now is, is sort of multi-level. One is they want to help him develop as a coach. I mean, this, he's never called plays in the NFL. Uh, he was very successful at it in college, so this gives him an opportunity to do that at the NFL level. So it helps in his development because he's no longer the receiver's coach. He's just the offensive coordinator. The other thing is that it's, it's another voice – in Jameis Winston's ear, or in this case, Ryan Fitzpatrick's. And that's important because they need to hear how Todd Munkin calls a play, what it sounds like, what it sounds like when the clock's running down, what his alerts are, all those things that they had never heard. And the reason for that is, the third part is, it gives Dirk Cutter the option, at least, to turn it over to Todd Munkin at some point during the year if he chooses to do so because – there won't be any kind of a learning curve. You know, they will have already had experience with how Munkin calls it. So all those things, you know, does sort of set up the possibility of, of Munkin calling it in the future, whether that's because Dirk deems that, you know, that's the way to go from the start of the season or if there comes a point during the year where Dirk feels like he needs to be uh, more tuned into other parts of the team and he can turn it over. But I don't sense that that's what Dirk wants to do. He's, he frankly has made comments about how he's kind of bored on the sidelines as a CEO coach. And, and you have to remember, Dirk Cutter's a head coach for one reason, and that is he was one of the better play callers in the NFL. 
uh, and he did a good job with Winston, and that's why they made him the head coach for that continuity. So I don't necessarily see it starting at the start of the season, but certainly they're in position to do it, and I think that's one of the reasons why he's doing it now. All right, Brent is asking, do you see Charles Sims making the roster, and how do you see the running back roster look coming uh, for the regular season? Um, well, right now Charles Sims is hurt, so that probably doesn't benefit him. Uh, I don't know that he's going to play in either of these last two games. So they know what Charles Sims is, and he was really the last running back uh, sort of signed as a free agent in the offseason, which you know, very often on NFL teams it's you know, last man in, first man out. Um, Sims can help them, but some of it depends on their confidence level of the other guys. I think that Jacko's Rogers probably has as much equity as anybody uh, that's at the running back position other than Peyton Barber or Ronald Jones. I mean, those two guys obviously have made the team. Uh, so it's a question of how many you keep, first and foremost. Uh, the guy they really like uh, is Sean Wilson, the kid, the rookie from Duke, who's undrafted, very serious cat, really sudden, really quick. Now, you know, he, he struggled a little bit in some pass protection the other night when they were playing in Tennessee, um, but he's done a good job on special teams. And I think it comes between, you know, probably between Sims uh, and him uh, for, for the final spot, if they keep that many running backs. You also have to remember, you don't know how many they're going to keep because, uh, you know, they're very heavy uh, or very competitive at wide receiver. Let's say they, they think their better football player is Justin Watson. Um, so maybe you go lighter at running back and go with three, um, you know, than than to go and, and go heavy at uh, wide receiver and go with five or six on that on that spot. So a lot of it's a sliding scale, but I would say right now, if I had to rank them, that Charles Sims might be on the outside looking in, particularly with this injury that he has right now. All right, Robert is asking, are you pleased as I am with how the rookie secondary guys have looked? Yes, they are rookies, but they've played well overall. I think. Yeah, they have played well, and I think the it's it's a you know, some really good additions they made, and they needed to make them. I mean, Carlton Davis, we've talked about him, how he's a longer guy, um, you know, somebody that can play off or play man. I think man coverage is probably easier just because you know, um, you know, you can put your hands on the receiver and, you know, more or less shadow him, and and, and that's a technique that most corners learn pretty easily. Um, they've had these guys playing off in the preseason. I'm just not sure that's what Mike Smith is going to do during the regular season. Um and then, you know, MJ Stewart is a guy that is not going to wow you necessarily physically to just to look at him, but he's always in position and he's shown a knack also to get the ball out. You know, he had two forced fumbles the other night at Tennessee. Um, and he's, you know, in, in Miami, he showed that he can come downhill and wallop some people. He's an unbelievable athlete. The guy played running back as well as defensive back at Pitt. So uh, he's a guy you could use in punt returns as well. So they really like him. Uh, you know, so and then Jordan Whitehead, who's their safety, I think is a guy that's going to emerge uh, as a player that's going to play a lot of football this year, and he's shown some good ball skills too. Uh, again, not not the flashiest guy, but a great athlete. So, I mean, I think that you know all all those guys are going to play a lot of football this year because you're looking at Ryan Smith was their sort of their backup corner a year ago. If I had to guess, uh, since most teams you know go three receivers or more. 66% of the time, you're going to see Vernon Hargraves in the slot, Brent Grimes at one corner, and then Carlton Davis at the other corner. So I think that, that's the way they're going to go, and I do think those rookies are going to have a big say as to how the Bucks season works out. Okay, Gonzo is asking, what is your prediction on the Bucks' first three games? Do they even win one? 
I hate the prediction business because if I say they're going to win all three, they I get accused of being a homer. And if I say they're going to lose all three, everybody says, ah, oh, Stroud just hates the Bucks. First of all, I don't hate the Bucks. I cover the Bucks. Covering them helps feed my family, so I don't hate them. But um, I, I think that if – and I, I've said this before and I mean it. If you took Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, or Cam Newton off of their teams for the three games that the Bucks are playing, say that was their three games for Carolina, Atlanta, or New Orleans – and they had to start with teams similar to New Orleans and then Philadelphia and then um, you know Pittsburgh on a Monday night, how many games would they win? So I, I would make this prediction for any of those teams, okay? So you understand, this is more about having to play with a backup quarterback because in this league, there's a drop-off, clearly. You know, you need a backup quarterback, but uh, you know the reason that that player is a backup is that you know th- at this point in their career, whether they're really young or whether they're a veteran like Fitzpatrick, who's 35, they cannot be as consistent as the guy that's in front of them. The guy in front of them, every Sunday goes out there and is consistent enough to give you a chance to win the game every single week. I don't know that's the case with any backup or very few backups. And people say, well, Nick Foles or something like this. Yeah, that that happens sometimes if you have a really, really good football team. And even Nick struggled the first two games, or I guess it would have been the last two that he played or three that he played before the playoffs, and they had to change the offense. So my thing is, I've, I've been told this a long time ago, if you have one game to win and you have a backup quarterback, you better hope you can win one game. If you if you have three games you have to, or two games you have to play your backup quarterback, you better hope you can win one game. If you have three games you play your backup quarterback, you better hope you can win one game because it's very – it's unlikely. Now, I know Fitzpatrick won two last year of the three he played, but he also, let's be honest, he beat a bad Jets team and a not-so-good Dolphins team. Um, and I'm not minimizing because in the NFL, wins are precious. So whoever you beat, God love you. You know, those they get paid too and they're the best in the world. Um, but I think it's a step up in class. So all that said, I'll go back to my age-old axiom. If you have three games you need to play your backup quarterback, you hope he wins one. That's, that's my expectation, um, really. And I think that's fairly optimistic at even at that all right well since you love predictions so much bob is asking and he <laughs> listens to us in the uk he says where hey, can bob. the where can the bucks realistically finish this season hello um well realistically they could finish first you know i mean the nfc south has just been one of those divisions i don't know why the bucks have not been part of this mix they were early on when the division was formed in 02 but if you look at the records of carolina new orleans in atlanta they're almost identical in the years that uh, the NFC South has been in existence. And then there's Tampa Bay bringing up the rear. I think this is a good football team. Um, I really think it's going to be hard to win the division. Again, going back to the three games that uh, that they're going to have to play without their starting quarterback and the fact that their starting quarterback is going to have to jump in at, you know early in the season. In, in, uh... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The end of September, 
at Chicago on a short week. So really, it's it's four games you're you're very much affected, and we don't know how Jameis is sharp he's going to be when he comes back. Um, so realistically, I don't think they win the NFC South, but I think the best they could do, and they, I mean, you they could obviously they're playing in the division, but I would say that uh, it's more likely that if they have a good year that they finish second and maybe get a wild card. What do you expect to see on Friday night against the Lions in the first preseason game at Raymond James Stadium? How much will Fitzpatrick play? How much will the first team starters play? What are you expecting to see Friday night? Well, I mean, typically in the third preseason game, your starters play uh, the entire first half and come out for at least a series in the, in the uh, third quarter because they want to give them the experience of going into the locker room and coming back out after they get cold and, and executing. And so um, for that reason, I would expect to see it, you know, as many first-teamers as they have um, to, to play that, that sort of role. Now, is it possible that Fitzpatrick might play most of the first half and then they put Jameis in? Yeah, that's possible because at, this whole training camp is different than anything they've ever experienced since you're trying to prepare two quarterbacks. But to do that – you don't want to put Jameis in harm's way. And, and, and the problem with the, the Bucks this week is that, you know, I just watched a practice where four of their top six tackles are not practicing. And we know Donovan Smith is going to be out this week for sure, and, and he won't play next week either. They're hoping they can come back for the season opener. Caleb Beninock didn't practice on, uh, on Wednesday. And then you had um, – you know, geez, you had just a, a Ali Marpet didn't practice, so I'm not sure who their defensive, who their offensive line is going to consist of. Last time I saw him, it was just Ryan Jensen and Demar Dotson, who's not ready to play really even a half. Um, he might get a series or two. So, uh, I, you know, they'll play some some semblance of starters into the third quarter, one series, um, but I I think it'll probably involve both both quarterbacks. Uh, because the doomsday scenario, there's a couple of them. One is if Ryan Fitzpatrick gets hurt and you don't have Jameis for three weeks, that would be bad enough. You'd have to go Ryan Griffin and then go to the waiver wire. The really, really doomsday scenario would be to get Jameis hurt, and I think you got to be careful about who you play him with. Um, and if those starters are going out early in the third, do you really want to play Jameis in the second half with a bunch of guys that you know may not be in football in a week? So. I think we'll see them both, um, but I think they'll both be out of the game pretty early in the third quarter. All right, Michael kind of changes the subject a little bit here, but it's on football. He asks, mm -hmm. what do you think of separate stats for interceptions? Like baseball has pass balls and wild pitches. Not fair to pin every INT on a quarterback when some aren't their fault. Yeah, the problem is how do you determine that? You know, it's a great idea, you I guess. You need an official score. Yeah, but does this, does this? Yeah, but does the score know what route the guy was supposed to run, or does he determine that after the game? Well, the score in we baseball of, doesn't know where the pitch was supposed to go. Oh, with the wild pitches, you yeah, mean? Yeah, and a pass ball. Yeah, but he can at least look at the direction of the ball and whether or not the catcher should have blocked it, though, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, you can't get yes. crossed up, but yes. But regardless, yeah, and, and I, I guess there's some parallels to the wild pitch. I, Look, I don't know. Um, what about the ball? What about the quarterback passes that are dropped as interceptions? Are those a stat too? Because what if I could show you eight interceptions dropped by the other team? Does that show how the player, how the quarterback's playing? That's true. And what's a drop? What's mm -hmm. a drop? Like, oh no, he should have caught that. Ah, oh, that would have been a tough interception. 
I think we got enough people trying to split hairs in this league. So, no, I don't like the idea. If they pick it off, they pick it off. And if they don't, they don't. And and that's the way it's been kept for years and years. And I, I don't know that there's a great – it's a good question. I just don't know that there's a, a great need to change it. And I think if you did change it, you'd have to also go the other way and say, well, not only was that not his fault, but this one should have been picked off. And it'll show you how bad the guy really is playing. All right, we'll switch to the Rays now. And Sam and Les both had very similar questions. So it says, since Blake Snell is on a non-competitor, or meaning the Rays are not going to make the playoffs, and his name isn't Corey Kluber or Chris Sale, do you really see the Cy Young talk for him going anywhere this year? Well, I, I think he's going to be in the talk for sure. I don't think he's going to win it. And and the reason is, is that he plays for the Rays. I mean, his numbers, he's, a, he's the second best, statistically second best pitcher in the league, but you can't ignore the fact that the best pitcher is Chris Sale, who's 12-4, and four, um, has fewer wins for sure. But that aside, 197 ERA, so slightly better there. And he's going to wind up with almost three or 300 strikeouts like he did last year. He's got 219 right now. So he's been very, very dominant on a first-place team, a true ace. And Kubler, his team's going to make the postseason as well. I would think that Snell, I think they would finish just in the order statistically that they look at right now. You know, that, that Snell would probably finish second to uh, – to Chris, I mean, yeah, that Blake Snell would finish second to Chris Sale. Very similar names there. Well, you also have um, Trevor Bauer and Justin Verlander, who's pretty. They're pretty well up there too, and they're both going to be on playoff teams. So they That's may true. they may get more votes than Blake just because of that. But I mean, if you just look at statistically, I think he's the second best pitcher in the American League this season. It's unbelievable what he's done. I mean, from the start of training camp, and of course, he's the only guy really that stayed healthy. Knock on wood, throughout this this whole season, even he had. Uh, a little bit of a what a shoulder fatigue or something like that that they 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 shut him down or limited his innings but um that kid has been phenomenal and you know to think that you could have i mean when we began the year um there were still those might have thought that chris archer was the ace um but blake snell i mean i haven't had a left-hander like this since since david price and he's still a very young guy he could put up these numbers for a number of years and and again even though the rays aren't you know they're they're four games over 500, which which ties the season high, um, but you're not talking about the 27 Yankees here. So he's done it on a team that, um, you know, is barely above 500. So I I take my hat off to him. I think he's going to win a Cy Young. I think it's possible he could do that one year, but it's not going to be this year. Yeah, and he could be just the second race pitcher to get 20 wins. David Price, the only other one in the year that he won the Cy Young. You think he wins twenty? I bet he does. What do you think? He's got a shot. I mean, he needs five more wins. You're at uh, how many August... more starts does he have? You think August twenty third? You got like thirty five games left. You probably got about seven, seven to eight starts seven. left. So he's got to win five out of seven, or, five, or get you know yeah. you may not get decisions and all. He's going to come really close to it. Again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got a shot at it. So you're telling me there's a chance? There's a chance. Pretty cool. All right. And then Steve asked a question. He says, "Could the Rays lose Kevin Cash to another team?" Odd question, I'm sure, but with the job he's done this year, and I know a lot of the you know the media is starting to say, hey, maybe he deserves some some manager, manager of the year, year votes. I don't think he's going to win it. I think you know Alex Cora in Boston or Bob Melvin in Oakland, who's surging right now, is probably going to be the top two in the American League. And Aaron Boone will get some as his first year in New York as well. But Kevin Cash reportedly signed a five year contract when he was hired. This is year four. Which means you know going into next year, assuming he doesn't sign another contract, be a lame duck one coach. Left. Yeah, yeah. I got to assume based on what the Rays have done this year and 
all the, all you the circumstances that I have to assume the Rays are interested in signing him Absolutely. to a longer term deal. I can't imagine that Stu Sternberg and no. and Matt Silverman and Heim Bloom and and Eric Neander are looking to make a change at manager. I think I think if anything this year it's proven that Kevin Cash is going to be your manager for years to come here. I, I think so too because. When the year began, nobody expected the Rays to do what they're doing. But more than that, if you're the Tampa Bay Rays, you have a manager who buys into all your kind of wacky ideas, including this whole, you know, opening pitcher. And and I know a lot of that was born out of necessity more than they planned. Um, but even, you know, we heard about this idea um, before a lot of those guys got hurt. And, and not only did Cash buy into it, but he got his team to buy into it. You know, it's one thing to say, hey, we're doing this as an organization. It's another thing to keep, you know, 11 guys on the pitching staff from just going completely haywire and, you know, pushing back every single day. Um, maybe it's the youth of the team. Maybe it's a lot of things. But I think Cash has done a good job of, of, of selling this, of sticking with it, and, and, and the players have responded. And that's, that's what you want in a manager. You want to see how players respond to your direction. And the direction was something that no baseball team has really done. So, I mean, think about that. This game's been played an awful long time, uh, and the Rays once again decide, you know what, we don't need to start a pitch here these, these next few days. We don't have them anyway, so here's what we're going to do, and it works. And now other teams, I assure you, are going to copy this the way they you know, started playing uh, more shifts and doing some of the things that the Rays were doing with more regularity. So, yeah, Kevin Cash, and look, I was not – I'll freely admit I didn't know that Kevin Cash was, you know, going to survive this season or any season. Um, it just seemed to me they weren't giving any players. But I think the front office has done a nice job of bringing in young prospects. They have a good core. They can add to it, you know, when they get a little more money. And I think Kevin Cash would be the perfect manager for him the way it's going. All right, and Anthony asks, do you think the Rays should target a switch hitter this offseason? Not a huge concern, but we seem to be left lefty heavy frequently and often lacking righty bats. Yeah, it seems like the Rays have never had great right-handed bats, to be honest with you. I can't explain that, but that just seems to be any time a lefty would throw, that was always going to be their weaker lineup. Well, in this um, year, I mean, they had Wilson Ramos. They had a Danny Echeverria. They traded right. both of those. Daniel Robertson then got hurt. Right. Um, so so that's know, the three especially best right-handed of late, Especially of late, they've been very short right-handed. Yeah. The, the funny thing is, is with the Rays, is as versatile as they love their players. And you know, players that play, you know, second base, third base, shortstop, left sure. field, right field. They don't have many switch hitters, which would give you more versatility. Now, they've got some prospects in the minors at lower levels that they, they've drafted a lot more and, and coveted more switch hitters there, which you know in a few years hopefully will be up here. Now, it, I don't know the answer to this, really, but does baseball – obviously it's an advantage if you're, good, if you're good at it. I mean, you have to be good at anything. Mm -hmm. But do, 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 do organizations target switch hitters specifically, or are they just looking for good hitters and, and – they don't care which side they swing from. I think you look for good hitters first. I think, you know, if you start, you know, hey, we like both these guys, but one's a switch hitter, one's not, maybe they target the switch hitter more. Gives them an edge, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, look, if, if this right-handed batter or this left-handed batter is head and shoulders above the switch hitter, you're not going, well, we'll take the switcher because he's a switch hitter. Right. I'm just wondering. I, just, I think you're right. I think it's just like one more carrot uh, or, you know, one more thing that, that is attractive about you as a player, but I don't – I just didn't know if like teams go, you know what, we need a switch hitter. <laughs> well, and as much as you know, bullpens like, are used now, a lot, a lot of times you only have a three-man bench anymore. You don't have true. four or five guys there. To That's where, right. 
you know, a switch hitter can be very valuable in that regard because, oh, sure. you know, especially as you platoon in matchups and this and the other, because you're carrying so many more pitchers in the bullpen in today's baseball yeah. compared to even five you know, years ago. That, Good ones are hard to come by, though, man. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, hard yeah. enough to hit. Listen, you know how hard it is to hit in the major leagues with one hand <laughs> <laughs> or on one side of the plate? Seriously, I can't. I can't imagine a guy that could be so good as like, yeah. Now I'm gonna switch over and watch this. Like what? I saw. A, Are you kidding I saw, me? I saw a tweet, and I, I don't remember who it was, and it doesn't matter. But it was a, a former college pitcher was coaching little league or kids baseball, maybe in 10, 11, 12, I don't, I don't know what. I love this story, by the way. You've seen this tweet where, yeah, it's great. Where the parents are all complaining that the kids aren't hitting anything. And so the coach finally got the parents in the batter's box and he pitched to them and said, I don't want to hear you say another word. (laughs) Yeah. Ex-college pitcher that was managing this team, got him in there and just mowed them down one after the other, all the dads that knew everything. And said, stop talking about your complaint about your kid. Stop talking about how your kid can't hit. That's right. (laughs) It was beautiful. I loved it. I, I I think that should be day one of every Little League team. Parents batting. Hey, no, 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 kids, just wait over there. Wait over there. All the parents, come here. I have to talk to you. Okay, now grab a bat and a helmet. Let's go. And they just go up there. First day, just throw seeds right by them, one after the other. Say, so, now, remember this experience because when your kid strikes out, when Charlie strikes out, I don't want to hear anything, mm-hmm. okay? go. We're going to let your kids heckle you for a while and see how it feels, you know? course that wouldn't work with me because i'd go yard and no i'm just wasn't wasn't that good of a hitter but yeah no i i I loved it i love the story it's great so the bucks play their preseason home opener tonight against the detroit lions at raymond james stadium of course i'll be there and you can read all that on tampabay.com throughout the weekend starters should go into about the third quarter they'll come back after halftime for a series or so so it'll be a good dress rehearsal for the bucks and the red Sox are in town for uh, a little series against the Rays at Tropicana Field. We'll see Blake Snell should be pitching sometime over the weekend. And, of course, he's in that Cy Young battle uh, with Chris Sale and some others. Big weekend, so we're going to have lots to talk about uh, on Monday. And, uh, look, we love your interaction. You can reach us anytime on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or you can reach me by email at rstroud at tampabay.com. As always, we love for you to rate and review this podcast, Steve. You can do that anywhere you get your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Maybe you listen on TuneIn or Stitcher or iHeartRadio or SoundCloud. Just hit that like button, and that uh, helps us out. Or better yet, share it with a friend. Tell them we're here and have them listen, too, and that always helps us out, too. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the uh, Red Sox and the Rays. It's going to be a great weekend in sports, and we will talk to you on Monday. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Versnick. Have a great weekend, everybody. 